This episode is brought to you by MeBank, the bank built and supported by industry super funds. Ever wondered about getting a better deal on your home loan? Well, it might be time to get in touch with MeBank. Whatever your investment strategy, you'll find a loan that's right for you with competitive rates and flexible home loan options. So stop wondering and start saving. Call MeBank on 131 563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. Now here's the show. And as long as you're looking at the right sets of numbers, you can make fairly accurate predictions as to which way the markets are likely to move. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with property market analyst John Linderman. Through his powers of research and analysis, he's a psychic, the only psychic who can accurately predict the housing market and use it to make his clients' portfolios increase like magic. Also, before we delve into this episode, go over to propertyinveststory.com and subscribe to receive your free property investor case studies where you'll learn how to generate passive income from your properties. Go there now to sign up for free. Imagine you could predict the future. What would you do? Using statistics, Lindemann's chosen path has been to predict the housing markets. I don't uh, usually brag about... uh what I do, but um, it's pretty boring really. I'm, I'm John Linderman and I'm a property market analyst and uh, what I've done is analyse the fundamentals of the property market over the last 15 years uh, professionally and come up with a number of uh, systematic approaches to how you can predict whether or not prices are likely to fall or rise in any given area. So what does Linderman actually do in any given day? Probably it, it's a combination of two things. One, one I do is uh, I prepare, uh, I do lots of presentations around Australia, so I'm constantly preparing information for those. And I also write for a number of uh, property investment magazines and newsletters, so I'm always um, you know, looking out for new angles and stories of information and interest to, to investors for those. So that's pretty much what I, what I do most of the time. But how does one man so accurately predict the future? Well, he doesn't. Uh, well, luckily, I, I have a team of researchers that I can rely on, so not as much as it used to. Um, you know, we've got about three people on our team who are full-time researchers and are looking at various markets and providing me with their findings. So it uh, it probably takes you know an hour or two a day, but uh, that's that's quite uh, enough for me to get a good understanding of what's happening anywhere. With all the data he could ask for at his fingertips, Linderman uses this knowledge for presentations in his next book. And also a lot of it is because of the presentations, uh, a lot of time is spent travelling and we use that time. Um, you know, I've written two books about the property market. I'm in the process of writing another one and also researching markets by doing on-the-ground research. So if we're in a particular locality, we'll go and have a look at areas that have promise and, and report back on those. And while getting on the ground of a potential suburb or property can be exciting, some prove too much. Yeah, and I mean, it is it is fun in, in some 
cases, you know, you can go to really exciting places that are great to visit, but in other cases, of course, you've got to go to areas that you'd rather not to visit at all, but it's all part of the, the research process. Although he may make it sound so easy, don't let Linneman fool you. It takes an abundance of hard work to gather and sift through the research that he uses to accurately predict the housing market. Well, we do research at there's three different levels. The first is we look at the dynamics of any market and by dynamics, I mean the causes of change, which are uh, usually it's um, high population growth, you know, people moving into an area, the availability or need for finance. So, you know, if, if they're first-time buyers, they need finance, but if they're retirees, obviously they don't need any at all. And then the actual state of the local market, is there a shortage or surplus of, of the types of properties that are in demand? So that's the the first level, or the second level, is then looking at the numbers, the um, the number of sales that are occurring, the number of properties listed for sale, how that's changing, rental vacancies and changes in asking prices. You know, there's all sorts of little tricks you can use to really find an area that's got a lot of imminent growth potential or not. And then the third level is to go and have a look, which, as I said, can can be fun or it can be uh, rather daunting, but. Uh, <laughs> That's they're the three levels of of, um, of research that we do. With over forty years of experience as a property investor, it's unsurprising that Linneman has changed his perspective of what makes a good investor over the years. Many years ago, I would have been uh, an investor who was looking for high growth. Um, I think that property investment is a journey, and it's you need to start by leveraging as much as you can buying properties in areas that have got high growth potential and leveraging off that growth. By that I mean borrowing money at, you know, say 5% and getting 20-30% return on that investment. But then as you go on in life, and I'm not uh, young anymore, there's not much point in doing that. So when you've got sufficient portfolio of properties, you switch them to high cash flow because that's where your income is going to come from. And if you still have growth um, it's fine, but you're really only going to leave that to the kids or the grandkids anyway. So, you know, cash flow is king when, when you're approaching mm. retirement. With yields in Australia averaging between 4 and 6%, swapping to a cash flow strategy can be a risky business if the yield is not accompanied by high demand. Yeah, I mean, it's lower in places like Sydney because of the high growth that's occurred. Mm. Uh, because rental yield is a combination of, of rent and price. So, you know, it's the return you're getting on the amount of money you've paid for a property. Um, you can get higher yields, but what you've got to be careful of is that that yield is not caused by price falls, but has actually been caused by demand for rental properties. So it's a genuine rent yield caused by rent demand. Uh, there are places in Australia, and some in Tasmania, for example, like Queenstown and Zeehan, where the rental yield is, you know, where those reports you get that show the highest rental yield suburbs around Australia, they always appear in there. Um, but it's yield caused by the fact that prices have just been plummeting for years and um, the median price, say, in Queenstown is now $70,000, you know. It, 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 so you can buy a house very cheaply and the yield is, is high, but no one wants to rent there, so you'll, you'll end up with an empty property. With many years living in Melbourne, Lindemann grew to know the housing market of its suburbs as well as to raise his family. I grew up in Sydney and when I was about 20 year old, uh, I met a girl from Melbourne and so naturally I, I had to move to Melbourne at that, that stage 
and then I um, I spent about 15 years living in, in Melbourne. Oh wow, okay. So you're originally from Sydney, went to Melbourne, yes. and now you're back in Sydney. That's right. And and the girl that you met in Melbourne, uh, what happened there? Uh, we had a long and um, happy marriage, a couple of kids, and then we parted ways about uh, 10 years ago. So. But, uh, which is fairly fairly common these days, you know. Marriages don't, don't last a lifetime, but uh, you know, no regrets. It, it, it mm. was good, and we we had two kids, and um, it was a nice experience. But mm. um, you know, the reason I I married at the age when you age of twenty uh, was all the wrong reasons. So, Lindemann's influences for entering the property market were set in opposition to his parents. Yeah, my parents grew up in you know after the depression and the and the, and the war. And they were very anti-debt. It was all about buy a house as soon as you can, pay it off as quickly as you can, don't get into debt. And had I known then what I know now about debt, you know, that there's good debt and bad debt, um, and good debt is the sort of debt that gives you a return which is greater than what it costs for you to, you know, in, in interest. Um, bad debt is credit cards, personal loans, you know, that sort of thing where mm. it costs you money. So um, had I known then what I know now, I, I think I would have gone ahead and got into property investment in, in a much more um, ambitious way than what I did. So, yeah, they taught me something which was the opposite of what was actually you know, the right thing to, to teach and I, I, I guess that took me a long time to learn. It seems that the desire to learn more has been present with Lindemann throughout his whole life. As through the majority of years in Melbourne, he managed a family, full-time work, and part-time postgraduate degree in marketing. No, yeah, I got a, I had a job with what was in the PMG and became Telstra. <clears throat> and then while I was there, I completed my education, so I got a postgraduate in marketing. Uh, that was over the years that I was in Melbourne, and. Um, so it was always I was always employed, and I was always virtually studying, you know, part time as well. Lindemann's leap into property analysis came from the most abundant source of research and data that this country has to offer, the Australian Bureau of Statistics. Using his own initiatives at the ABS, Lindemann experimented with the idea of applying trend analysis to the housing market with amazing results. You know, I saw the job advertised and I thought that's the one I want uh, and it was fantastic and I'd learned so much, not just about the housing market but how to analyse change. Um, they they have a thing called trend analysis which is where you look at trends and, and you can predict what's likely to happen by the way that uh, the trends are going. So I, I then adapted that to the housing market and said, does it work the same way? And I discovered that it does. And as long as you're looking at the right sets of numbers, you can make fairly accurate predictions as to which way the markets are likely to move. So, what in his research does Lindemann consider the most important? What can he use that will help you in your next property venture? Well, I, I guess the um, <clears throat> two things. One is that, that when you're looking at areas where there's a lot of investors, um, and, and a good example of that would have been the you know the mining boom towns of a few years ago, like mm. um, Moorambah, Dysart, Emerald, and over in the west, Port Hedland and South Hedland, that the first indicator that something was wrong with those markets was way back in 2013, and that was the number of rental vacancies was starting to rise. And if you're an investor, you've got to have a tenant 
And if you can't find tenants, of course, you can't make the repayments and you try and sell the property. So the whole thing goes goes bad. And that was one of the things I learned, that it's the rental vacancy trend in those sorts of markets that is the first early warning indicator that something could be wrong. And um, it was a very, very valuable lesson because a lot of people were still moving into those markets at that time. And I was advising anyone that, um, you know, that I was associated with not to do that, uh, you know, and stay well away from them. And, of course, they, they started collapsing as, as markets um, almost immediately after that, in, you know, because of the, the fact that there were too many investors and there were not enough um, renters. To further your own research, Linneman recommends heading to free sources. It's free. You know, you just go to realestate.com.au and, or Domain and, uh, and look up the area you're interested in and, and see how many rental vacancies there are and just follow that number. Uh, and if you see it going up, that's, that's bad. It's, uh, <laughs> it's very easy to do. Yes. Coming up after the break, we'll hear about the only blight on Linneman's prediction. But the market had changed and so uh, prices had gone down and we lost a lot of money on that second purchase. As well as the best strategy for property investors approaching retirement. You've got to make sure you're buying in high growth potential areas and then swapping over to cash flow areas uh, as you get older. And the moment that he realised that he had the power to predict the future. That was the aha moment where I realised that you can predict the future by using those two sets of numbers. This episode is brought to you by MeBank, a different kind of bank built and supported by industry super funds. You could be getting a better deal on your home loan by getting in touch with MeBank. They offer competitive rates and two loan types. One with a range of features including the ability to fix your rate and have multiple offset accounts and another that's nice and simple with no ongoing fees. Both loans provide the flexibility of interest only or principal and interest. So whatever your investment strategy, you'll find a home loan that's right for you. Stop wondering and start saving by giving MeBank a call on 131563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. Now back to the show. Hey podcast listeners, are you enjoying listening to these stories and want more? Then head over to propertyinvestory.com and subscribe to receive your free property case studies that I only send exclusively via email. Just one of the many benefits of being part of this community. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, their strategies and much more. Simply visit propertyinvestory.com to get your free case studies. Now back to the show. Linderman discovered early on that the renovate and sell strategy would be a winner in the older suburbs of Melbourne. What I discovered was that you could buy uh, old terrace houses in the inner suburbs of Melbourne for you know very inexpensive and then renovate them um, and, and sell them for a lot more and that was something in, in Sydney at the time that already that had become a very fashionable thing to do and places like Paddington and Balmain were mm. booming markets, but that hadn't happened yet in Melbourne. So I thought, let's buy an old terrace house, do it up and uh, and sell it. And we did that and it doubled in price in three years. So 
um, I was convinced even at that early age that property investment was you know, the right way to go. From that first success, Linneman knew he still needed to learn a lot more as a property investor where his time at the ABS truly came in handy. Right, that, that was because of, um, it was a, a long process but the, after that experience, the first house I bought and uh, the fact that you know, it had doubled in value and I thought, this is fantastic, I'm going to do it again. Um, the second house we bought, we did the same thing and then after three years we had to sell it. But the market had changed and so uh, prices had gone down and we lost a lot of money on that second purchase. And then I thought, well, hang on, I don't really understand how the market works at all. You know, in one case I've made a lot of money, the next I've lost a lot. There's something going on here which I don't understand. And I really wanted to. I said I want to be able to do what I did the first time over and over again. So I started, you know, reading every book I could find on on the property market and went to seminars and webinars and boot camps and, you know, workshops and so on. And although all the, the people I've, I've learned from taught me a lot, none of them could actually tell me how the market worked. And so it was about 1990, um, I joined the Australian Bureau of Statistics. And at that point, I decided, you know, that that was going to be my calling and I spent five years professionally researching the housing market with them. And then I moved on to other data providers and um, in total about 15 years of research has elapsed since then. Once this trend analysis was applied, Linneman's success as a property investor skyrocketed. Well, that, that was when I decided to, to really spend some time on, on learning how the market operated. And that, that took quite a bit of time. I didn't... Um, buy any other investment properties during that time because I didn't want to repeat the uh, you know the nasty experience of the second property mm. so I thought I'm not going to do this again until I really know what is going on and then uh, once I'd, I'd nutted that then I started buying investment properties again with um, with great success you know I, I bought a property in Mount Isa um, in 2011 and that was the in the next two years the highest performing market in the whole of Queensland so, you know, it was picks like that which enabled me to um, to claim this sort of record for accuracy that I'm, I'm renowned for. At the moment, Lindemann's portfolio is progressing well as he focuses on high cash flow over high growth. Well, as I said, we're moving from growth to cash flow, um, but we have properties in three states at the moment, Queensland, New South Wales and Tasmania. And they're all all the ones in Tasmania are high cash flow properties. Yep. So money situated around around Hobart in the ex housing commission areas, which where you're getting about seven eight percent yield. Um, and then <clears throat> ones in New South Wales, um, in places like Cobar, which is now a mining town, but it's it's um, according to our figures, it's uh, you know it, it's got good growth potential, but it's also delivering a very high yield. And then in Queensland, most of the properties there are in what we call tourist areas. So the, the demand is being sustained by the tourist industry and the number of people working in that industry. So places like Cairns, um, they've got a lot of a lot of people working in the tourist industry and that's in, increasing during because of the uh, Chinese uh, tourism <clears throat> market, which is booming. So, um, yeah, we've got uh, properties in those areas as well. Merging from high growth in youth to high cash flow as you age seems to be the best strategy according to Linneman, 
who recognises the advantage of leveraging what you have when you can. I've written two books on, on how to invest in the market and um, both of those explain this, this process, the idea of leveraging, of getting as much growth as you can. So you're starting with little money of your own but you, you know, you're borrowing a lot but you've got to make sure you're buying in high growth potential areas and then swapping over to cash flow areas uh, as you get older. And um, so that, that's the, you know, the model I've used and I've adopted myself. Before Linderman had gained his skill and reputation as an infallible predictor of the housing market, he made one crucial error that dampened his perfect record. Well, I, I guess it was because um, I was just, with the first property, it was pure luck. Um, it was in Hawthorne in, in Melbourne and I'd, I had been, I mean, this may sound ridiculous, but um, I was watching the AFL footy on TV in Sydney and this Hawthorne club you know, playing really well, and I thought, oh, gee, they're a good club to follow. <laughs> and so when I moved to Melbourne, I said, I want to live near the Hawthorne Football Club. You know, that was it. Um, and it just so happened that that area was, you know, had a lot of old terrace houses, and uh, the market was about to to boom. But then, when I bought the second house, I then thought, well, hang on now, if that that worked. But in Sydney, I lived near the beach, and I thought, well, it'd be nice to buy a house near the beach in Melbourne. And I think that'll have a lot of growth potential. So I bought this place um, around on the Bayside area near Mordialic. And um, unfortunately, the Melbourne market is not like the city market at all. And the the people don't live near the beach for the same reasons they might do in, in Sydney. And it's a different market. And so that growth just didn't didn't eventuate. In fact, it went went backwards. And so I was going on all the wrong things. I was buying on emotion, um, you know, using my heart instead of my head, and as a result of that, I uh, I lost heavily the second time round. And it was a big lesson, but I didn't understand what I'd done wrong, you know, that until years later when I realised that's what I did. I bought using my head, sorry, my heart, right. and, and not not my head. With that blunder, see it firmly in the past. How is that area of Melbourne doing today? Will we see a rise in the property that fell for Lindemann? Oh no! It all it's. I mean, markets change over time, and it it uh, recovered quite well, and it's now a very, um, you know, popular area of Melbourne to to live in. Um, but and and the house we had is still there, by the way. But it's it's um, Hawthorne still went up a lot more. You know, mm. if you compare the two, it, um, the average growth rate was about ten percent, which is per annum, which is much better than. And Melbourne as a whole over that time. So, Lindemann's aha moment came at a time that most people would find filled with mistakes and losses, the global financial crisis. Well, I did and it was when I was looking at, um, it was during the, the global financial crisis and a number of the um, major lenders, the big banks uh, came to us and said, we are concerned because we think that housing prices could fall. Um, and the problem with, with mortgage lenders is that if mortgages fall over, they tend to do so in the first year, a lot of them anyway. So if people get past the first year, they're okay. So they were saying, well, can you tell us whether or not housing prices are likely to fall over the next year? And so I started studying the the what I call the indicators, you know, or the whole range of indicators like um, time on market and vendor discount rates and number of listings and average hold times and you know, all of those things 
to try and work out if any of these could give give you an indication as to whether or not prices were likely to rise or fall in the short term. And that was when I discovered that the, the two that can tell you that are listings and sales. And that's because the housing market is just like any other commodity. It, it you know, obeys exactly the same rules. So it's like you go to an app, Apple shop and there's hardly any apples, the price is going to be high. Mm. Um, but if there's heaps because nobody wants them, they, they knock the price right down. And so it's the same with housing. If the demand is high, then prices go up. And if it's higher than the, than the supply, they'll go up even more. Uh, you know, but if it's there's too many people trying to sell and not enough wanting to buy, then of course prices will go the other way. And it was that was the aha moment where I realised that you can predict the future by using those two sets of numbers. So, Lindemann can tell us exactly how property markets will change, but why do they change? Well, it's for that, that simple reason, um, supply and demand. So, it, if you've got a mining town and the mine closes and people leave, nobody wants to live there, then the supply is suddenly going to be much higher than the demand and prices will fall. Mm. Whereas, if you live in a market where people want to buy properties for whatever reason, then and there's a shortage of them, then then prices will go up. So it, it's the only complication is the fact that you've got two types of markets, rental markets and owner-occupier markets. But um, as long as you're aware of which one you're operating in, then um, you can use, you know, things like the rental vacancies in, in markets where there's a lot of investors and renters, and you can use the sales and listings in all markets because that'll give you a really good indication as to what the immediate future holds. A good example of Lindemann's spot-on prediction skills is the Sydney market boom from the last five years. Yeah, they doubled between 2000 and 2002. Yep. Uh, the growth stopped in 2003, went backwards slightly. Yes. And then nothing for 10 years until late 2012, they started going up again. And um, the very first part of, of um, Sydney where that occurred was around the Blacktown area. And we picked that up. We suddenly saw, hang on, the number of properties on the market is dropping dramatically here and it's getting to, you know, that ratio is starting to get to the point where prices are going to start going up. And so we we predicted the, the, the not a boom, but the prices would go up in Sydney and um, people laughed at us, you know, and said, well, that's ridiculous. So they haven't gone up for 10 years. And I said, well, this is how the market works. And, and this is, in answer to your question, um, it doesn't go up regularly. When you look at that 8% average growth, there are long periods of time where there's no growth and then suddenly it shoots up and doubles in a few years and then you get a long period of time with no growth again. Mm. So when you look at what Sydney's done over the last 10 years, that growth rate is right on 8%. Um, Melbourne's about the same. So both these markets are actually now performing at the long-term growth rate. So they're not housing bubbles or anything to worry about unless, of course, the growth keeps on going, then I think I'd be getting a bit worried. But right now, they're right where they should be based on, on the long-term performance. So with the Sydney market stabilising and the Melbourne market beginning its own boom, which capital city is the next to take off? When after Sydney you know, boomed and Melbourne sort of boomed, and a lot of experts started saying, oh, Brisbane will be next because it always follows Sydney and mm. Melbourne. And um, and I said, no, it, it won't be next because that, that ratio of demand to supply is not there. There's not enough demand and there's too much supply. And we had a situation in Brisbane where all the um, 
construction workers from the mining towns were moving back to Brisbane and building houses everywhere. So all the outskirts of Brisbane, there's new housing developments, and that was having a, a down effect on on prices because there were just too many being built. So I said, I don't think that Brisbane's going to be the next boom city at all. Um, and then people said, well, what do you think it'll be? And I looked at Hobart and I said, I think it'll be Hobart because that demand there was rising dramatically because of the fact that prices were very cheap, rents were high, and a lot of people were retiring there, investors were moving in, and of course, you know, Hobart's been the second best performer over the last year. So, you know, that prediction came true. But when Brisbane goes, it'll be when people least expect it. They'll give up on Brisbane. And then suddenly, um, when that ratio moves, suddenly then Brisbane could be the next booming city. So what is Lindemann's next prediction? With people moving out of Sydney, where's the next good place to get excited about? Well, I think that what excites me is that there's always areas of potential. Uh, you know, people say, oh, we can't afford to, to invest in Sydney or we can't afford to invest in Melbourne, it's too dear. And I, I say, but there's always then what, when there's growth in one area, it produces the opportunity for growth in others. And a good example of that is the what we call the ripple effect where that high growth in Sydney is now moving outwards people you know over 50 are selling their homes because they've doubled in, in price in the last few years mm. and and then they're moving up the coast or down the coast and, and buying properties for a quarter of that price and using the rest as a sort of a piggy bank for the future um, so that excites me because I can see a lot of growth occurring right now in areas north and south of Sydney and I think that'll continue um, for some years so there's a lot of opportunity and people shouldn't say, well, I, I can't afford to invest in Sydney. My view is, well, don't, because you don't want to invest in a city that's already had three years of growth. Go to an area where there hasn't been any, but there's potential for that growth to occur. So, inspired by this story and what John Linneman is excited about today, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode on Property Investory Podcast, where we talk about how to apply the strategy. The first thing you need to to do is to say, well, I want to buy that $150,000 house in an area where it's going to go up as much as possible over the next few years, maximise that growth. There will be easy to follow action steps. Well, I definitely think you should spread your risk. To success habits for property investing. I think um, consistent analysis is the most important thing. And that's next time on Property Investory Podcast. To get the full transcript and see the show notes, visit our website at propertyinvestory.com. Thanks for listening. If you love the show and you're ready to get serious about saving on your home loan, give MeBank a call. MeBank is the bank built by industry super funds, famous for their competitive rates and flexible home loan options. So, whatever your investment strategy, you'll find the loan that's right for you. Call MeBank on 131563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply.